0: Uh, thanks a lot dallas for trying to make this as you know low pressure and at least nerve-wracking as possible i appreciate that Um, it is a privilege to be asked to serve here as associate pastor and just looking at a role uh, in the area of small groups online tech and community adult outreach Um, and we're also very thankful to have our family and friends here today be friends and so we're thankful for that Um, Just to give you the short version of where Ruth and I have uh, come from and how that's brought us to this point. Um, Ruth and I both went to Baracus Bible College and we married a few years after that. And uh, even more importantly, we were neighbors, all neighbors with uh, Jessica's dad. Um, (laughs) So that was one factor there. Um, Then God led uh, Ruth and and myself to uh, serve for 10 years With the navigators in mongolia and next god led us to north africa and there we got to had the privilege of teaching high school to some amazing students and got to know some dear friends there and so salamu alaykum um and we were there for nine years and uh, then on returning uh, from north africa we just were praying and seeing what is the next step where is god going to take us to next and what does he have for us next and so One of the first things that he led us to do was to uh, move to Pleasant Hill. So we moved into a house just on 20th Street, a block and a half away or so from uh, St. Paul's, and just to see how we can serve the community. And we uh, were praying about that, and we've been taking steps there. And then the next step that God led us into was actually um, through a few friends, and um, Pastor Bruce was praying about this before. Uh, I think any any of the rest of us knew anything about it but um, then uh, Terry also mentioned about just that there was a need for an associate pastor here that they were looking for one and so I contacted Dallas and then at that point Ruth and I started talking with Dallas then Dallas and Leah um, then the elders um, and the last person I think I talked to was Brianna which was really neat because it was uh, Um, Dallas actually I've never had this before but an employer says you know you can talk to my references and that was unique for me but uh, so Brianna was the last person I talked to and we were downstairs and we were just talking down there and um, you know I just said okay now you're the last person so if there's everything's been green up to this point but if there's anything we don't know you know um, and I was like okay we're on I know we're on video right now but if you need to tell me get out get out while you still can just blink twice so she didn't she didn't blink so so here we are um, so it was and there was it was really neat a neat process of praying and just God confirming and giving peace on on all sides and so um, the other thing that's really neat and we appreciate is just dropping into a ready-made place of ministry and all the work we've been able to be at camp and see all the work that's gone into that—the ki- the kids and youth ministry—and even just seeing the way that the the youth and from the kitchen standpoint, the way the youth and um, just the the staff interact—it's obvious that you know trust was built over the period of the year, and it was just a very sweet spirit there that uh, was neat to be able to pick up. And even seeing all the things that inside the church, the systems, the way the ministries that you have in place. Um, able to drop into what you know has already been laid a foundation in terms of life groups and and what Dwayne has done previous to that Uh, Ron gave me some explanation of the 6,000 wires that he has in this church and how he calls each one by name and they hear they hear his voice and so that's my next on my to-do list is memorizing those 6,000 wires so anyways but we have really appreciated all that we get to see From what Dallas and Leah, the foundation that they've laid, and all the rest of you in building the ministry of this church, so it's a privilege to be led led here. And because we've been talking about miracles, Ruth is going to share a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, sorry. Well, because your theme for the summer has been Jesus's miracles, it was just an irresistible topic of maybe just a little way to introduce ourselves, but also talk about the theme and um, of course my phone goes out just when at the opportune moment Um, Glenn and I headed over to Mongolia the year after it opened to the world and a couple of miracles come to mind about that time period after our third son was born uh, there was a surgical error and I got very sick and eventually they did an operation to try and save a kidney and come back, infection. And we headed back to Mongolia, that was in Hong Kong, we headed back to Mongolia. And they said, you know, maybe you've got 50% function, we don't know which way this is gonna go. And I remember the elders of our church there laying hands on us and praying for healing. And so I I just couldn't get it together. Physically, emotionally, I just could not find energy and we returned to Canada. And the first place we went to was the nephrologist to say hey what's going on with this kidney why am I getting better and he said your kidney is at a hundred percent function this is just a few months later there was no sign of any of the trauma that had happened to it God had healed me and he left me with this huge set of physical and emotional limitations that is a miracle of Jesus that's the way he works you know and those limitations transformed my life and my ability to do ministry in a positive way. When we returned to Mongolia, one uh, night we get a phone call, can you come over? A lady in the next stairwell, American woman, her husband had just gone home to America very sick, looking for help, her two-year-old girl was sick, and I was a nurse. So I went over there, and for whatever reason, Anyways, it was classic appendicitis. And I'm like, okay, what are we gonna do? She's two. And anybody that goes to hospital here usually ends up getting a serious infection at that time and very, very complicated. So what do we do? We put our hands on her and we prayed. And we prayed that Jesus would encapsulate that infection and keep it from spreading to any other part of her body. A doctor came by, gave antibiotics, the pain abated a bit, on we go. Two years later, this woman returns to Mongolia and tells me the end of the story. At the age of four, that girl was traveling in America and had, again, severe pain. They go into hospital. They open her up. They found a cyst the size of a grapefruit that had encapsulated that infection and kept it from spreading to the rest of the body. Okay, this is a miracle. And at the same time, God took her husband through cancer. So God gave a miracle and a loss to the same woman in the same time period. How God does miracles, how Jesus does miracles, we cannot tell him. We just say, please, Jesus, act. Um, While we were in Mongolia, people had worked there for decades. Very few had ever come to Jesus. When we arrived, there were 40 believers. When we left, there were 10,000. We got to see the birth of the Church of Mongolia. AND WITNESS A MIRACLE OF CHRIST THAT HAPPENED OVER A TEN-YEAR PERIOD. LATER, JESUS TOOK US TO NORTH AFRICA WHERE WE WERE TEACHING. AND ONE DAY, A coworker WAS IN THE STAIR. While well, I'M LIKE, WHAT IS GOING ON? YOU LOOK SO, YOUR FACE IS JUST, WHAT IS HAPPENING IN YOUR LIFE? AND SHE TOLD ME HER SON HAD BEEN DRIVING A CAR IN SAUDI ARABIA AND he, THERE WAS AN ACCIDENT AND SOMEONE IN THE OTHER VEHICLE DIED and he was actually put in prison. And he had been in prison for months on the charge of manslaughter. And they had tried everything and they didn't know what to do. And so there in that stairwell, I just put my arms around her and I just asked for the miracle of the release of her son that night. And the next morning she comes bounding up to me and says, God answered your prayers. And her son was released that night. So again, a miracle, but this woman acknowledged the power of the God that I was praying to. She never acknowledged Christ, but Jesus did that miracle. He did that miracle for that family to save them from all the pain that they would go through if this son remained in jail. So Jesus is intervening today. I mean, it's our belief that Jesus is doing miracles and we need to go and look for it. He hears us, he acts but it never looks like we expect, ever. But it is amazing to be a witness to the power of God at work. We feel blessed that Jesus has directed you to invite us to join the Rock. Um, We anticipate the journeys that we are gonna take together. Some of them are gonna be deep and dark. Some of them are gonna be valleys but we are gonna go together. But we also look forward to the shared moments when Jesus decides, I'm gonna just pour out my power right now and I'm gonna do a miracle and we're gonna get to witness him together, both here in this body and in the community around us. Amen.
0: Thank you, Ruth. yeah, it's been a privilege to be able to witness and be alongside God and who he is and what he does. And also it's a joy to see that when we speak about the miracles of Jesus, it's not just Bible times. It's actually what we get to see, what he allows us to see even even today and even now. And so that is a real that is a real privilege. Um uh, I have, we have appreciated listening to the sermon series so far and um, it's been great to be able to hear this series from the very beginning and uh, when Dallas preached last week about um, walking on the water uh, with uh, Peter and Jesus, um, it, was, it was interesting to see that he, that he did say that that was a miracle that had been in three, accounted counted in three of the Gospels and therefore was important. Um, The miracle we're going to look at today is the feeding of the 5,000, which is actually in four of the Gospels. Just saying. You can see Dallas writing now. He's writing aspects of emotional immaturity not uncovered in the interview process. Able to turn anything into a competition. Um, Okay. So, anyways, um, I do appreciate uh, Alicia being willing to let me win the tussle for this particular miracle. Um, She she had also been thinking about this, so I appreciate that. And um, uh, one of the things that um, we see in this miracle is just that it is something that uh, has so many aspects of the way that Jesus and his personality and the way we operated with people. So just before we take a look at this, let's um, pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for your word. And uh, just as Leah read earlier, just how, just as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is your word that goes out from my mouth. Will not return to me empty, but will accomplish everything I desire. And Lord, we just thank you that your word, um, when we look at your word, it is alive and vital. And when we sing truths in worship, those biblical truths that we sing and worship are alive and vital, and you change our hearts. And we pray that you'd uh, continue to change our hearts, even as you have lifted up our hearts in worship. We pray now that you would encourage us and uh, uh, guide us through your word. In your name, amen. So I just we're going to be looking at Mark 6 and just starting in verse 31. And I'm just going to read verses 31 and 32. Um, then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. And has been mentioned, camp is an intense time. And it's a time when the people, the staff, uh, the youth, the teens, the kids, um, everyone there is the kitchen team. It's all going at full bore. And sometimes there's just that aspect where you're just like, whew, I'm glad for a rest. I was glad for a rest after one week. And these guys come in, three weeks at camp, and they're, just, they're looking pretty good coming in to still serve, do the worship, do the, um, the tech up in the room there. And so, so it's, it's uh, something that we all have felt, that aspect of needing to get away for rest. And Jesus did prioritize rest. He did say, hey, this is something that's important, and so let's get away. And this was something that Jesus practiced. It even says that, you know, Jesus, uh, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So Jesus did get alone with his Father, with his heavenly Father and have some practice of rest and pacing. Um, And if we look now at 33, we see that, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And so we see that sometimes plans don't always work out. Plans didn't even always work out for Jesus. You know, he, he, was, he was, as uh, um, Pastor Boyd was uh, preaching, when he was preaching on, on the, the person who was demon-possessed, he said Jesus was human, he was fully human. He operated out of his humanness to give us an example of what it is like to minister out of, out of just uh, being human. And he left his divinity uh, back in heaven when he came down here. And so plans don't always work out, not even for Jesus. And one of the things that we we saw with camp was that even though it's it's uh, it has that aspect of being high pressure and there's lots of things going on, yet one of the things we noticed was just, you know, between the, the youth and the staff, there was obviously this was not the first time they 'd seen each other, these were relationships that had been cultivated. They, had, they knew each other. there had been trust developed over the ministry over the year and that 's sort of unique i 'm used to camps where campers show up the first day, and lots of times very few people know each other and Yet this allows camp to just start right away not from not from step base one, but start right away already with a built, uh, relationship of trust built up um, the Other thing that we see here in verse 34 is when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. And one of the things we see is that Jesus, his heart led his ministry. And so even though he had a practice of rest, and that's what I get from Dallas and Leah, as as they've explained to us a little bit of, of emotionally healthy spirituality and just what that involves, part of that is rest. It's having a practice of rest but there's also a flexibility, and sometimes ministry does, you know, you just, you just have to put that aside for a time. But you can do that because of the fact that you've made a practice of it. And I think that's where Jesus was. And he led with his heart. He was compassion. He saw these people, and his compassion was on them. And Ken preached uh, a few weeks ago about the woman with an issue of blood. And he said there, he said that Jesus' heart went out to her. And as well, he led with his heart. His ministry was prompted by his heart. And as we look at that next, the last part of the verse there, it just says, so he began teaching them many things. And I like here that Jesus, that's where he starts. He starts with teaching. He starts with the Bible. He starts with um, explaining to them about the kingdom of God and about uh, truths uh, from, from scripture. And Jesus was not a traveling miracle show. He wasn't just, oh, here's a crowd, I'm gonna do my, do my tricks, my miracles. He started with, he started with knowledge and, um, and laid that as a foundation. And so one of the things I think what we see from these first verses is just that we, we minister out of who we are. Maybe we're tired, maybe we're, this is, you know, oftentimes when you're trying to help people, it's, it's, it can be emotionally, it affect it's emotionally drains can drain your batteries, um, not just physically, but we also minister out of where we are and we minister with compassion. So I think that's the first thing we see in this. The second thing that we see is, don't let obstacles determine your vision. And here's sort of a, this is sort of a funny, I don't, it's funny to me. Um, But just the way the disciples, I mean, they came up with all kinds of things. I didn't realize how many things they actually came up with in terms of obstacles for this. But it says in verse 35 there, it says, by this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already really late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. There, there could be, I mean, you can't exactly pick it up, but you know how it is when someone promises you a day off, and we're going to go and we're going to have a little time by the ocean, just a little swimming, maybe some fishing, wrestling on the beach, and then suddenly Jesus just sort of yanked that away from them. And your disappointment is even more than if Jesus never even mentioned that. And I think there could be a little bit of resentment towards these people, and you can send them away, and they can buy something for themselves. And Jesus answered in verse 37, he says, "Um, No, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, But that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we going to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? So again, the disciples bring up another objection. It wasn't just the time that it was late. It wasn't just the location. It's a remote place. We're a long ways away from a McDonald's. It was finances. We don't have enough money. There's no way we have enough money for that. And uh, so then in verse 38, he's, Jesus asked them, well, how many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. It's almost like, see, we, we told you. They don't say it, but it's almost like a, see, Jesus, We told you, this is a bad idea. And again, the resources, another obstacle was the resources. And it's not, they were thinking very practically. And there's nothing wrong with thinking practically, okay? I see a lot of German practicality in the uh, systems in this church and all the different ways things are. The labels, it's made it a lot easier for me, coming in, dropping in as a new person. I can look at the label on the key, I know which key that is, I know that that opens that, that opens that. Everything's labeled and it makes it much easier to, to come into this. I see it camp the way that they have over the years, they have figured out how to hone this system of feeding you know 70 80 people they've, that's been honed. You see that this isn't just something they're trying for the first time or they're just doing improv. This is a system that they've that they've worked on practically. So practical thinking is good. and Ruth's her my, my uh, Ruth's get one of Ruth's giftings is, looking at a situation we're facing and going, hmm, I think there could be a problem with that, but if we do this ahead of time, that's gonna minimize that. Whereas I'm more the type of person which is like, I think it's all gonna be okay, looks, looks good to me, you know? But, but God uses that gift, you know? God uses the gift of practicality. Um, but I think as believers, we also then need to combine that with the knowledge that if there are obstacles to people being ministered by the Word or the Spirit, there are ways that God can take those obstacles and put them aside. And that's what we see here. Jesus was saying, yeah, those are all obstacles. But Jesus was saying, let's just keep going ahead because God is going to take this and put this aside. And he says the power of God is going to come in. And so oftentimes, we can let obstacles determine our vision for what God can do. But it's always important as believers to say, hey, if we're looking at this whole picture, yes, let's look at the practical aspects. But what could God do in this picture if we were also combining the practical situation with the um, power of God? Um, And let's look at verse 37. We're going to look at verse 37 again, um, just because there's a few things there that that we can see uh, in relation to this third point from this passage. And And Jesus says, he says, but he answered, well, you give them something to eat, okay? So they said, that would take more than a half year's wages. Are we going to go and do this? And then he he says, how many loaves do you have? He says, go and see. So Jesus was continually, he wasn't solving the problem for them right away. Another gospel says he did this to test them. And he was sort of just seeing. He wanted to partner with them in ministry. And I think that is one of the great privileges, and you could say mysteries, when you think of the way that we never do ministry perfectly, we never partner with God perfectly in ministry or in the church and yet he continues to want to use us he doesn't just say you know what that idea of the church taking the gospel to the nations that was a bad idea I think I'm just gonna send the, na- the angels down there and they'll just do that real quickly um he doesn't didn't take that away he says no I still want to continue to work with you and um, so and he does the same with the disciples in this situation So Jesus asked for the disciples' involvement. He didn't just yank it away when when it seemed like it was not, they weren't quite catching on. Um, I think when Dallas preached about the wedding um, at Cana, again, he says that Jesus was working in cooperation. He didn't just kind of like magic uh, transform the wine. He asked them, well, go fill the water pots, bring them back. He he involved other people. And he involves us in ministry. And that is a really neat thing. Then, verse 39, then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. And then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. And Jesus used what they came up with. He didn't say, Oh, I got it. Yeah, that's what you came up with, but I got something way better over here. He uses who we are. He uses our gifts, our abilities. Um, he uses all those and he takes them and, and uses them. And that is a real privilege. Um, and we are looking into joining in that privilege with, with you, you all here at this, this church as we look in the time ahead. Um, then 41 says, Taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to all the people. And he also divided the two fish among them all." Um, again, I get the feeling that this wasn't done in some flashy way. Like Jesus wasn't sort of like, it wasn't quite the same as, I think when, when I think it was Elijah that had the, you know, the fire come down. That was, that would have been dramatic. That was dramatic. Elijah had a flair for the dramatic, you know, with the way that one happen. But Jesus, this was just, you just keep on puddling bread out of the basket. And it just keeps on being there, and soon, you know, 10,000 people, or however many there were there, were were fed. And I think, just in thinking about it, I've always wondered about why did God, why was God so hard on Moses, you know? The number of things Moses had to deal with, with the children of Israelites, and then it's like, he just says, uses the wrong pronoun when he hits the rock, and he says, shall we make water come out of this rock, you rebels? And like. Really, was that so bad? And yet God says, sorry, you are not going to ever be able to step in the promised land. And you wonder why that was so hard, and why he was so hard on him. I think one of the things maybe relates a little bit like that, in that Moses was almost taking the authority. It was almost like magic, you know. He hit the rock with his staff. Shall we? He, w- he was sort of taking God's glory. Miracles are for God's glory, not for our glory. And Moses was taking some of that, I think, in that step. Guess what, maybe we'll have to ask him when we get, get to heaven, but that's, that's what it, it seems. And Jesus, he continued to put the glory to God. God was God the Father. He had to pray. And not all Jesus' prayers were answered. You know, that's, that's an amazing thing. Again, Dallas is maybe, check out legitimacy of Glenn's Bible College <laughs> degree. <laughs> Call Briarcrest Monday morning, first thing. Um, so, so anyways, yeah, like when you think of it, Jesus, even Jesus didn't have all his prayers answered. Um, if you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said to the Father, he said, you know, take this, if, take this cup away from me, if yet not my will but yours. And so that prayer was not answered of Jesus. He had another prayer. He said, um, you know, that things would be done on earth as they are in heaven in the Lord's prayer. And that prayer isn't answered but we know that that's one of those prayers that is going to be answered. Um, But so even Jesus, he prayed, just like we have to pray for the gods coming and showing and coming alongside us as we minister. So just in conclusion, I'm sure none of these points are surprising. Um, When we look at partnering partnering with Jesus in ministry, ministering out of who you are, where you are with compassion, don't let the obstacles determine your vision. All three of these points, I don't think anybody's going to say, wow, was that ever amazing, that new associate pastor. Look at the way he used the Aramaic and the Hebrew and the Septuagint and the Gnostic Gospels, and he put it all together to come up with principles that we've never heard of before. Um, That's just not the way the Christian life is, right? Normally, it's not the fact that we don't know stuff often. It's a lot more the fact, for me anyways, that I know stuff. I just don't always. I just don't always remember, or I or I stop applying that. And so for us, we need to be reminded. And uh, this morning, I was reminded about something Dallas told me. Dallas told me he says when you put that garage up, don't put your hand on the bottom because it will pinch your palm. And I've been trying to remember that, but you know. You forget sometimes, and then your, your nerves you know, remind you of that. And so that's the same, I think, with Scripture. And Paul said, it's no trouble for me to remind you about these things. He said in Philippians, I'm going to write these things to you again because it's a safeguard. And so um, I think today and this week, as we minister to others from where we are, with compassion, seeing God miraculously overcome the obstacles so that we can partner with Jesus and his grace and power to do those good works which he has prepared in advance for us to do. Amen.